keep trying. He, his buddy Ed teamed up with another friend, Lou. They created a company called Scaleworks. They then bought a company called Assembla a couple years ago, which had basically, you know, it was a healthy company, a lot of legacy, but just wasn't growing fast enough to be interesting for VC or a big exit to a private equity firm. So Scaleworks bought it. Ed, Lou brought in Paul. He's now leading the company. They focused on going upstream, increasing ARPUs from call it 200, 100 bucks a month up to now 500, up to 1500 bucks per month. They're seeing significant growth based off GDPR regulations, currently serving 3,500 customer, customers in terms of version control in the cloud, cybersecurity, and a little bit of uh, testing built in. Churn, super healthy, uh, a little south of a million bucks a monthly occurring revenue right now, growing 60% year over there with their team of 45 people. This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Paul Lynch. He's the CEO of a company called Assembla. He's responsible for driving the strategic direction of the company. Before Assembla, he held multiple executive roles within cloud businesses where he drove revenue growth and international expansion. Paul has a marketing degree from, from Dublin City University and is fluent in Spanish. Paul, are you ready to take us to the top? Yeah, that's great, Nathan. Yeah, All right. So Dublin is, is like a cool, hip space, and now you're in San Antonio. Tell us how that happened. <laughs> so I came into Assembler in uh, in late 2015. Uh, you're right. It's uh, I, I traded the uh, I traded the green fields of, of <laughs> Ireland and Dublin for the oppressive Texas summers. It's not that uh, bad, though, right? I uh, know. I, I love I love it here, Nathan. It's great. It's, it's a, like I, I always say. You know, the, the the party's not over for guys like me, but it's a different kind of party. Yeah. Uh, the, the idea of staying out till three in the morning in a nightclub is is a horror show. So San Antonio has exactly what I need for me and my kids. Yeah. You you have no options to stay out until four a.m. except maybe the Emma on a good night, right? Uh, that's that, that's it. And uh, uh, hey, I mean, staying in the Emma till four is probably a good thing. That's so, probably good. Yeah. Lot, All right. Let's let's tell me more about the company. What's Assemble do, and how do you make money? Yeah, great. It's a assembler is in a source code management. So, you know, in, in terms of you're building a website, you're building an app, you need to put that source code into a place that's secure and safe. I mean, uh, in the current environment and climate around source code breaches and around data breaches and your Equifaxes, there's a huge, there's a huge sort of uh, onus now in terms of securing source code. So we take your source code, we keep it, and we give you the scaffold to build your app or your, your website or whatever it is you're looking to design and develop. And is this more about version security kind of in the cloud and version control in the cloud along with kind of cybersecurity? Or is it more like Rainforest QA, QA Symphony, like a testing kind of CI kind of tool? Um, look, I, I don't think you can talk about source code and not talk about security in the current climate. Uh, so it's a marriage between the two. Okay. Um, the business started off purely around source code hosting, source code uh, managing source code and, and, and managing the, the, the your Git, your subversion, your perforce kind of repository types for you to build your software. But like in today's day and age, uh, source code is, is is the key valuable IP content in most businesses. You, you can't talk about source code. You can't talk about hosting without talking about security. So look, it's a it's a marriage between all those three things. Okay, so so there is some element of a Sauce Labs, a Bugsy, like there is testing, automated testing built in. 
Yeah, we, we, at a low level. I mean, at a low, at a low level, level yeah. there's automated testing. I mean, I, I would say, you know, at, at, a, at, a, at a higher level, we would do static code analysis in terms of people committing code back into the repository. So, you know, we, we, would, we, would, we would scan code in terms of looking for known vulnerabilities prior to that going back into the core production um, workflow. Uh, we would look for stuff like, you know, credentials or Amazon passwords, um, et cetera, et cetera, within the code that we're hosting. So yep. we're, we're looking to secure it and make it safe as it's developed. Pure play SaaS model, or you have other revenue streams, professional services built in? 100% SaaS. Uh, it's a beautiful place, huh? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, right. like professional, professional services is not an area we wish to focus. That's right. And give me a general sense of kind of customer size here. What's the average customer pay per month for this kind of tool? So, I mean, I, I think we've gone sort of up market, if you like, over the last two years. We bought the business and would have had an ARPA, um, sort of a, a low, you know, two-figure kind of ARPA. Now we're up to, say, you know, between five, 500 and 1500 per month would yep. be our sort of sweet spot. Yep, 500 per month. And these are typically, I mean, uh, why will someone pay 500 versus 1500 Are you upselling based off number of seats or a feature set or some combination? Yeah, it's some combination. I mean, it's based on a on a seat like user bases. Um, there's different tools and there's different features that customers will buy from us if they require additional security or additional SLAs, additional um, customer support, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, also, like with the likes of say Perforce, um, that's a that's a that's a paid licensing tool proprietary to Perforce. So there's licensing costs around that. And, and lastly, if you look at the, the, the key specific customer requirement around performance, if they're pushing larger file sizes, if they've got compliance issues or compliance requirements or security requirements, we can get into sort of dedicated solutions for those guys around private cloud, around single instance, and then geo-specific stuff. So if, if you've got a gaming studio, say, in Australia, uh, their, their performance is not going to be great if they're, if they're hosting on our infrastructure in AWS and San Fran. So we'll fire them up local instances in Sydney or local instances in wherever they are, you know? And now this, uh, when was the, well, first off, tell me when the company, the original company was launched. And then I want to talk about kind of how this is, is not your original baby and how you got involved. Yeah. Uh, business was launched in 2005. So, I mean, Assemble is a very mature company. Um, we acquired it from its, uh, its, its founder in 2016, um, early in, in, in the year. And, who, and um, who's we give some people some perspective on what you're building there. Yeah. So effectively Assemble is owned by a venture equity fund. Uh, by the name of Scaleworks, um, they're San Antonio based. I mean, their their tenant is that venture equity, uh, venture capital, or other uh, works very well for 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 businesses that are looking to give away a small amount of their equity um, and drive growth. Private equity works very well for larger businesses that are looking for an exit. Um, private equity will come in; they'll take uh, they'll take dividends and distributions out of those businesses, but there exists nothing in the middle. So you've got a business that's doing, say, you know, three to 10 million private equity aren't interested in them in that they're too small. Venture, venture capital aren't interested in them in that, you know, if they're 10 years old, if they haven't hockey sticks yet, they're not going to. Um, so where do they go? Um, so we buy businesses that are product focused and uh, we then we, we turn on our sales and marketing engines and we drive growth. And the only, just to be clear, so venture equity, I mean, they're not, you know, you buy the company for X amount of money. You're not trying to pull cash out of the bottom line to get a return there. You're just building it. And then if you sell it, that's how everyone will get a return. That's exactly it. Yeah. Interesting. Very cool. Okay. At the same time, I mean, we're not, we're, we say we, we'll never take money out of businesses, but, um, you know, solid business practices are, are key to our business model. I mean, that's we right. want to talk about profit and reinvestment as opposed to, you know, fire hosing money at sales and marketing and, and, and creating a giant big black hole of debt. 
strategically, I mean, I think about a Vista Equity, right? I mean, they are so well known for their playbook, which they guard like crazy. I've seen some of the agreements they make everybody sign about not sharing that. You basically get killed if you share anything on the playbook. Um, I mean, is that what you're building? And that's what they're building kind of at ScaleWorks. You've got kind of, you know, a playbook you run on the company right when you buy it and three or four tactics will work out and grow it? Um, look, I, I think a playbook is probably oversimplifying it. I mean, every business is different. Every founder is different. I mean, there are certain um, characteristics in the businesses that are acquired. Typically, you're looking at a, at a CEO uh, founder-led business. Um, you're looking at a CEO who's probably been running this company for like six or seven years, and they're getting tired. Um, it hasn't happened for them they were for whatever reason. A lot of them are bootstrapped. However, I mean, there are businesses we've acquired that would have raised a large amount of Assemble uh, was, though, capital. bootstrapped, right? Assembly was very much bootstrapped, yeah. 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 We, I mean, this business, you know, I think we bought the business. There was 32 staff and it. it was doing a couple of million bucks. Um, it was making money. Um, the, the, the issue, of course, was that it was 12 years old. I mean, the, the founder wanted to do something different. He needed an exit. He took it to market. And uh, he didn't like the numbers that were, that, that were given to him initially in that, you know, businesses like Vista are looking for growth. Yep, that's right. Um, and it's very hard to raise VC if you don't have doubling year over year, right? 12 years is too long. Absolutely. So what's, what are the first three things you did on the company when you took over? So our, our tenants are pretty much the same. I mean, you, Assembler, the CEO, Andy Singleton of Assembler and Pound is a great guy, but very product focused. So we need, you, know, you need to shift these businesses around. You need to move away from you know, specific product focus into focus on sales and marketing. Um, if, you're, if your business isn't marketing right, it's not going to be selling right. Um, the sort of business needs to pivot its mentality away from building pretty things into building functional things that customers want to buy. Um, we, we, we have a strong belief in centralized teams and companies like this. Um, you know, I want sales, I want marketing, I want products sitting together. So what's the first things we did? We centralized the team and we built a leadership structure within San Antonio. So Um, everyone's in San Antonio now. Pretty much. We've got two offices. All all, all leadership is in San Antonio. We have a technical team in Selina Gora in Poland, uh, where we have like maybe 15 coders. Um, And what's total team size, Paul? I think we're 45 right now. Okay, so 30 in there in San Antonio, 15 over overseas. Yeah. Okay, very good. And what have you, what have you been able to scale the, the company to in terms of total customers now? So we have about 3,500 customers. Okay. Month on month growth is about between 3 and 5%. We're tracking, we did, we did 60% last year. We're tracking the same this year. So yeah, we're very happy with it. I, like you guys, have never been able to find a project management tool that I love. You know, my blog writers like one thing, my developers like one thing, my designers like a different thing, and it's so difficult to get them all on the same page. So when I had Roy Mann, the CEO of Monday.com on the show, I was pleasantly surprised at what he told me regarding his traction and his growth, and I said, maybe I should try this thing. So we now use Monday.com. I started with the magazine. We've launched the Latka magazine, solely dedicated to SaaS founders. It's the only magazine focused on SaaS and my content writers and my designers worked beautifully together on that project using monday.com for project management. I then said, well, let me give it a real test. Let me see if I can use this for sprints and product cycles with my developers using it as well. And so we did that for GitLatka on our last release. It worked like a charm. 
Never before have I been able to find one tool that my developers, my designers, and my writers, and myself can use and be happy with. You know, for me, I do most of my work waiting on the boarding deck about to get on a plane. I have to be able to access this stuff on my mobile device, and it works beautifully. We've been using it for several months now, and I said, Roy, I'd love to introduce this to my audience, but you gotta give me a great discount. Make me a great offer. He said, Nathan, okay, fine. If your folks sign up and try today, we'll give them 10% off all plans if they use this link, nathanlacka.com forward slash Monday. So you can go there, try it for free, and if you decide to start paying, you'll get 10% off. Again, that's nathanlacka.com forward slash Monday. I was going to say 60% year over year growth. And this is a company that didn't just go raise 20 million bucks from Andreessen and you're plowing money into Google ads or something. I mean, this is, you're running a playbook, you're optimizing an asset that already existed and you're able to drive 60%, 60% year over year growth. That's impressive. And since we took this business, which was March, 2016, we returned to profit every month. That's incredible. We have not, we have not lost money in a single month that we ran it. That's great. Now, and again, these, these are solid businesses that we're looking at. I mean, we're not, we're not buying you know, these are not Hail Mary passes. <laughs> we have three and a half thousand paying customers. We've got 11,000 free users in Assembler. Yep. Um, this is a, this is a, we got a really strong product. Um, really what, what the business lacked when we acquired it was a sales and marketing focus. And they, they got a bit lost in terms of what category uh, that they wanted to be in. So, you know, we defined the category as enterprise cloud version control. Our tenant is that businesses want to move their source code out of their on-prem um, uh, comms rooms. They want to put it in the cloud but there's no one out there to deliver that service. That's they're, right. They're, they either need compliance requirements that aren't delivered by GitHub. Uh, they need security requirements that aren't delivered by GitLab. We, we, we put the security wrap around, around the source code. We, we have the compliance standards around SOC 2 or NGDPR around you know, SAS 16. And uh, so we offer a safe environment for that source code to exist in the cloud. I want to come back to GDPR here in a second because I imagine you're seeing a lot of growth specifically because of that. But you mentioned earlier ARPUs were between 500 on the south side and 1,500 on the north side. I mean, Paul, if I multiply that, the minimum, 500 times 3,500 customers, I mean, that puts you at like, what is that, one seven a month? Is that generally accurate? Uh, no, it's less than that. Don't forget. I mean, they, these are the figures that we're, we're, we're winning new logos at. Um, Got it. However, the legacy business we acquired would have had a lower ARPA. Cause you, cause the first thing you did is try and drive upstream. Yes. Okay. Are you, can you share this? Are you North of a million a month or no lower? A little lower. Okay. You think you'll break it this year? I do. There we go, baby. Paul, <laughs> Paul's going to be popping champagne. Does he have the Christmas, the holiday party at the end of this year? Okay, good stuff. So, um, and, and you said, again, if you're, if you break a million bucks by the end of the year in terms of monthly recurring revenue, so that's 12 million, obviously in ARR. And you said you bought it at a couple million in ARR. I mean, that's where you start to get into the 60% year over year growth rates, right? Yes. Very good. Absolutely. Tell me about churn in this space. Uh, we don't have a huge issue around churn in the business. Um, we, we have it. It's, it's, it's significantly less. I mean, it's about 1%, uh, maybe, maybe a little bit higher. But and what like, is, that? Is, huge... that, is that? Is that gross logo churn monthly? So I don't, we, I don't have a major issue measuring around logo. Uh, okay. As you drive upstream, um, there's, there's a certain amount of right-sizing within the business, right-sizing within the customer base. Um, you know, we're selling Ferraris at, at 500 to 1500 a month. If somebody wants to buy a beaten-up old Dodge Charger, uh, we're probably not the best business for them, you know? Um, yeah. uh, so like uh, in terms of the business is growing on a local perspective month over month, Nathan, but I mean, there is, I mean, as always, there's, there's, there's always a certain churn. Let, uh, exactly. let me ask a better question, which is probably more relevant because you're moving into the enterprise space. Have you hit net negative uh, revenue churn yet? Uh, yes. Oh, great. Uh, we do have net, uh, net negative revenue churn is, 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 is yeah, it's there. Yeah. I mean, we incentivize our customer success team very strongly around that. Um, how do you no, do that? Forget. How do you do, Paul? People struggle with that. How do you do that? Money. 
It's literally just a better, com- it's better commission structure. Yes, yeah, a better commission structure and so yes. So if you're, if you're trying to hire me to bring in and you're going to put me on that team, what are you pitching me in terms of an employee agreement? Uh, like, look, I mean, customer success is, is key. Don't, don't forget, like, you know, the, the, the ScaleWorks model is, is defined by Lou Mormon as the ex-president of Rackspace. I mean, fanatical support is in the guy's DNA. <laughs> so we, we, we have access in San Antonio to superb customer success guys. Guys that have, that have, that have really, they've, they've had their feet to the flames in Rackspace. They've learned from the best. Um, you're coming in here. There's a, there's a huge incentive within my customer success teams to drive growth in the install base. Can you, but Paul, uh, what I'm trying to get though is, is a specific way you're doing that. So anyone else listening that wants to implement this plan on their CS team can do it. I mean, is it literally there's, there's, you know, call it your typical base structure on a, on a customer success person. And then there's also a commission structure on expansion yes. revenue they drive. There's 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 a specific base salary that the guys come in on. There's a incentive scheme around their individual um, KPIs and targets, and then there's a bonus at the end of each month if we see you know um, net, net negative revenue growth within the service. Across so the, actually across two, the whole team. Across the whole team. There's I see two different commission structures that we sit above the um, the base salary. I was going to say a lot of people struggle with implementing these kinds of ideas because it's very difficult to track expansion revenue attribution per CS rep. So what you've done, it sounds like if you've you set a goal for the team, if the whole team hits it, your CS team divides the bonus by however many CS people there are. That's a, well, yes. I mean, it, it's a fixed bonus, but yes. Yeah, interesting. Very cool. Um, what about CAC? I mean, how are you acquiring these customers? What are you spending to get them? That's a tough thing, you know. I mean, like we, we've changed the whole model. I mean, I'm not a big believer in PPC, to be honest. Um, and there's so much noise out there. I mean, I, I love stuff. I love podcasts. It's a, it's a great way to get your message out to the market, Nathan. So thank you. But yeah, in in terms of the, the I want to I want a ten percent cut of all revenue you get from this, right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> in, in in terms in terms of like uh, new logo growth, in terms of you know PPC, it doesn't work. I mean, there's so much noise out there in the market right now. The only people making money out of PPC are are, are, are Google. So like. In terms of driving new growth, as we've moved upstream, we've driven into the enterprise space. We go to a lot of conferences that, you know, nothing beats press in the flesh. You know, we take booths and stuff like, you know, GDC. We, we, we've separated out our industries by vertical in terms of where we're targeting that new business. You know, as you drive upstream, you start looking at, you know, uh, compliance standards. I mean, it's not very difficult to target those customers, to be honest. I mean, you're a small developer that's that's working out of an RV van, you know, 60 kilometers south of Austin is not interested in GDPR. He doesn't care less about it. So you go to, the, the, however, the CIO of Bank of America, this is something that keeps them awake at night. Um, you know, this is why, you know, when I talk about a category, uh, enterprise cloud version control, moving source code to the cloud is a white space, okay? Google is, uh, sorry, GitHub is a, is a great company, but it's a developer company. It's a developer tool loved by developers. You show me a developer that's, that's, that's concerned about SOC 2 or GDPR, um, you know, I'll, I'll buy a bottle of Dom Perignon. Um, just, they just aren't. Um, so, you know, in terms of how we target our clients, we we we, we got to target who's going to require from us. We got to target p- potential consumers who are interested in 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 in, in the features that we're building. Yep. Uh, these guys typically live at a sea level. When, uh, when you analyze and you kind of pull your, maybe your fully diluted CAC all in, right? You do some math division there. Ask differently. How quickly do you like to get your money back out in terms of payback period? Three months, six months, twelve months. Look, I mean, we aspire to six months. Okay. Uh, what, you're a little north of that? It's, it's an aspiration, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, That's good. What, I mean, as a CEO that has the aspiration to get to a six-month payback and you're a little north of that now, I mean, do you actually care about hitting that or that it really won't move the needle for you decreasing that number? 
you're breaking up on me, Nathan. Sorry, Paul. What I was saying is, do you, I mean, yes, yeah. sure. Yeah. As a CEO focused on trying to get to a six, you know, a six month payback period. I mean, is that really a meaningful lever on your business driving payback period down or it's not something you're hyper-focused on? It, 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 it no, it's not something that I'm hyper-focused on. It changes month to month. Yeah. Uh, you know, and don't forget, like, the reason why we're growing is because we're constantly optimizing, we're constantly testing. Um, I'd love to say that every time we, we, we shoot an arrow, we hit the target, but we don't. Um, this is part and parcel of, of, of scaling businesses. Um, there's certain sort of conferences we go to that they're, they're enormously successful for us. There are others that aren't. There's, you know, certain campaigns that we'll run that will be enormously successful, and there's others that fall flat in their face. Uh, as long as you're optimizing, testing, and learning, I mean, you know, that's your path forward. Yep. With folks, so you're, it, I was going to say, with new logos you're bringing on now, you said earlier, minimum ARPU is 500 bucks. And if you're aspiring to a six-month payback period, six times that 500 puts you at north of three grand CAC right now. That fair to say? I mean, generally speaking? Um, again, it, it, it changes month to month. So, but like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, you're in and around that. Like, yeah. Yeah, that makes good sense. All right, very good. Um, last few questions here. So, so in terms of product, obviously GDPR is, is huge. We watched Facebook CEO kind of get growed over this over congressional hearings. I mean, are you seeing significant growth specifically from leads coming in going, we need to be GDR compliant. Can you help? Yes. Yeah. In short. Um, and what have we done about it? Like we've just opened up our, 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 our first sort of instances in the EU. Um, so we're running a DC out of Frankfurt now on AWS. What's it, um, what do you mean a DC? Uh, data center. So oh, got we, it, got like, it. We, we call it a data center, but it's, it's, it's large instances that we're running in Frankfurt, completely separated from the, from, from our U S data, um, which are, which are targeting specifically into the EU base. I mean, it's, it's a really interesting area at the moment. Um, you look at Brexit in, in, um, heading out of the EU zone, you look at GDPR compliance, we're privacy shield certified. Uh, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, May 28th is very, very soon. I mean, there's a there's a there's an awful lot of work left to be done for a lot of customers to become GDPR compliant in the interim. That's right. Uh, we're seeing more and more and more leads coming through. We 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 have a responsibility to our customers as well. I mean, 54% of our business is in the US, 46% of it is international, and the, the you know you take Australia, the rest of it's pretty much in the UK and uh, Europe. Paul, okay, good. Uh, and guys, th- those of you listening right now going, wait, he just said May 28th. This episode obviously is going live after May 28th. So all these things are in full effect. They're, you know, Paul's probably seeing increased growth now that this is actually in effect. But Paul, good stuff. <laughs> let's, let's, uh, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Uh, Play Bigger. Play Bigger. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Um, I mean, the, 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 the gold standards, your Elon Musk's of the world. Yeah. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building your business? I couldn't live without Slack. Number four, how many hours of sleep are you getting every night? <laughs> About five. Five, okay. And what's your situation? Married, single, you have kiddos? Married, three kids under 10. Three. Did you, by the way, when you did the ScaleWorks deal, did you move them all here to San Antonio? Certainly did. They're in the Texas public school system. Did, did they kick and scream or are they like it now? They're used to it. Uh, they kicked and screamed initially, but they lo- they love it now. <laughs> That's good. We, we, we've, had a, we've had a brutal winter in Ireland. The weather here is lovely. Yeah. Uh, that's good. All right. And how old are you, Paul? I'm 42. Last question. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Uh, <laughs> keep trying, keep trying, keep trying, keep improving. 
Guys, there you have it from Paul. Keep trying. He, his buddy Ed teamed up with another friend, Lou. They created a company called ScaleWorks. They then bought a company called Assemble a couple years ago, which had basically, you know, it was a healthy company, a lot of legacy, but just wasn't growing fast enough to be interesting for VC or a big exit to a private equity firm. So ScaleWorks bought it. Ed, Lou brought in Paul. He's now leading the company. They focused on going upstream, increasing ARPUs from call it 200, 100 bucks a month up to now 500, up to 1500 bucks per month. They're seeing significant growth based off GDPR regulations currently serving 3,500 customers in terms of version control in the cloud, cybersecurity, and a little bit of uh, testing built in. Churn, super healthy, uh, a little south of a million bucks in monthly occurring revenue right now, growing 60%. You're over there with our team of 45 people. Paul, thank you for taking us to the top. Nathan, come on. See you. Bye.